Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the name of the Lord. If you would today, I, I want to read from two passages of Scripture for the text. It would be Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Also, we will be reading from 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter, let me turn there, 3 and verse 18, 17 and 18. I, uh, I feel a great touch of God here today. Can you say amen? And I'm, we're in this series going from love, grow, go. Taught last week on love. I hope it was a blessing to all of you. I pray that it was. And if you were not here, please go back archived on the website or Facebook and, uh, and go back or YouTube and go back and watch that message about love. We don't want it to divide, define love by the world's perspective. As a church, we are preachers of truth. Everything we say should be truth. And when you're talking about preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's more to the gospel than just the death, the burial, and resurrection. We are truth. The Bible says it's glad tidings of good news. And I'm so glad in a world of chaos, we have truth in His Word. Never changing truth of the Word of God. Hey, the atmosphere of God should be wonderful. The house of God should be peace. And uh, I want to grow in Him, don't you? If you will turn Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Jesus, when you read chapter 2 of Luke, it's the Christmas story, we call it. But, you know, Jesus appears at birth. He disappears when they go back to Nazareth. He shows back up at age 12. He disappears and shows back up in Scripture at age 30. It's interesting, isn't it? When you find him at birth, which we celebrated, and we celebrate all year long, but especially at Christmas time, what happened to him? What is written about him uh, when he appears back in Scripture as a young man, 12 years old? Verse 40 says it this way. It goes from them going to Nazareth as when he was a baby to verse 40 says, and the child what? Everybody say, he grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Another verse says that he grew in wisdom and in stature. And so with that being said, let's look what 2 Peter chapter 3 says in verse 17. Wasn't that powerful praise and worship today? so proud of these young people. Amen. Chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, your covenant, your commitment. He says, but do what? He commands us, verse 18, let's say that those, those words together, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus and our Savior and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. He commands us to grow in grace and in the knowledge. It's a principle. It's a principle. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you about choosing to grow. Choosing to grow. Because I love, I choose to grow. God bless you. You may be seated. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We understand that the entire purpose of Jesus' existence was because he loved us. Because he loves us, he grew. Not just in stature, but in wisdom. He chose to grow. I want to say here this morning 
that growth, and I'm not talking about gaining weight or getting taller. I'm not talking about that type. Maybe there's an element of choice in that, but that's beside the point, and we'll talk about fasting later. Can you say amen? But growth uh, in knowledge is a choice. Growing individually is a choice. And I say to you that one of the facts of principles that we'll find in love is because I love, I choose to grow. I want you to say that again. Because I love, I choose to grow. Jesus grew in wisdom. We should grow in wisdom. Paul said to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to understand who he is. And let's understand one thing here today, that the Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. It's not in yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Let's just establish something right now in this relationship with Jesus Christ and trying to please him. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable to him. How many want to be acceptable to the Lord? He's going to present it to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Let's establish something right now. We cannot be holy and we cannot be righteous without the grace of God. Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. When you came to the Lord, you were broken, you were dirty, you were a sinner. But by his grace, he's now made us whole. And the Bible says we are complete in him. If you were broken, he put you together. If you were dirty, he cleaned you up. If you had the mindset of a sinner, he gave you the mind of Christ. We are what we are in him, not because of pedigree, but praise God, because of Jesus Christ. Would you clap your hands and say amen? We are what we are. Story after story that is in this building right now. You could talk how you came in. You came in addicted to alcohol, but you left free from sin. You came in broken and busted and disgusted because of the life you lived, trying to get better, only returning to the cycle of failure. But when Jesus got a hold of you, he changed who you are from the inside out. It's called the grace of God. You can't change without him. You can't be made whole without him. You can't do it on your own. But can you say amen? Because with God, with God, all things are possible. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. By the grace of God, he's going to change you and make you whole. Praise God. In this room, if you knew the stories people would tell you one after another, I was an alcoholic, I was addicted to crack cocaine, I was, I was a gambler, I was, I was this, I, was, I had, had these things in my life, but now I, I no longer have those things because of Jesus Christ. A moment in him that he gives you grace to become better. I, I, I fear though, if we are not careful, that we will categorize God into just who we need for our now moment. For instance, if you're sick, you need a physician. So if you came to the Lord and you needed a healing, guess what? He becomes to you the great physician. He's the best. The Bible says that 39 stripes on his back were for our healing. I believe that physical needs in our life. But I will say to you that if the only thing that you need from Christ is a healing, as soon as he heals you, you're leaving him. Sort of like the doctor. You, you might know your doctor on, on, you probably know your doctor by doctor so-and-so, but, but you not have a relationship with him because he's just uh, a person in your life catering to a specific need of your life. And so you can't say, uh, you might say I love my doctor, but that's not really the term you probably should be using. Right? And some people say, well, I love Jesus Christ, and, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, except, uh, except that there was a moment in their life that he changed something in their life and he healed them. Let's, let's talk about this. There's two types of people that come to, to God. Everybody hold both hands out. Will you help me? And uh, are you ready? 
on each side of Christ, there is, there's a thief on this side and a thief on that side. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not calling you a thief. Amen. But the person on this side of Jesus said, if thou be the son of God, save thyself and us. He wanted saved from his present circumstance. Get me off the cross. Get me out of the mess. The person on this side of, of Calvary, this side of Jesus, was saying this. Remember me when you come into the kingdom. For this man deserves nothing that he's getting, but I do. Okay. So two types of people that come to Christ are those that come to him wanting out of that condition, out of that marriage crisis, out of that um, a tumor that they have in their body, out of that financial brokenness, out of the addiction, they want out of the circumstance. But then there's this one that's not saying, get me off the cross. He said, just make sure I want to make it. I want a relationship. I want you to remember me. I will say that probably what we all have in common, number one, we were all sinners when we came to God. Number two is that we had some level of brokenness when we came to God. We needed healed, we needed delivered, we needed set free. Can there be a witness in the building? But he never intended to only get you off of your cross, to get you out of your mess, to just heal you of your physical condition, to just fix that relationship issue in your life. Then the purpose of Jesus Christ was to build a relationship with you and not just fix you. Because he loves you, he fixes you. But because he loves you, he's committed to you. Now, I'm not talking about his love toward us at this moment. I'm talking about our love toward him. If we're not careful, as soon as we get fixed, as soon as we get healed, as soon as we get delivered, it's almost like this. Thank you, Lord. I'll take it from here. I got it. You got me out of the mess. You picked me up out of the, the muck and the mire. You got me out of the clay. You pulled me out of the ditch. And Lord, I'm clean now. I'm ready. See you later. A lot of people have that mindset of their faith in Christ, but it is not his will that that be the only thing he does for you. He did not just get you out. He called you to take you in. Now he wants to walk with you in relationship. He wants, to, he wants you to fulfill that his divine purpose that he's planned for your life. You're not a mistake. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's got a plan specific for your life in this end time. Do you believe that? Amen. I want everybody to say, God has a plan for my life. And it's not for you to serve just to, to, to do a work for him, but it is to walk with him. He wants to walk with you. The, the, the precedence was set in the Garden of Eden when he made Adam and Eve and in the cool of the day, he would come and walk with him. It is, it is biblical precedence that God does not just want to be involved in my life on Sunday. He wants to walk with me Monday through Sunday. Can you say amen? He doesn't want the house of God to be just a doctor's visit, a counseling session. Wisdom from the word of God to get me out and better. He doesn't just want me to get better. He wants me to get in relationship with him by daily walking with him. You can say you love him, but love is a principle that causes you to commit to growing in that relationship. Amen. Girl meets boy, boy meets girl, sparks start flying. Thank God for the sparks. If there are no sparks, it's probably not the one. Awkward hesitance comes over the crowd. I got a witness in the building. He's also the one who said, let it burn. Speaking of sparks. Honey, when I held your hand for the first time, it was electrifying. Woo! There's got to be some sparks there, but what the interest is there, and you start wanting to build that relationship, you know, if you want to you, you, you build that relationship, and uh, you start becoming interested in them, and by being interested in them, 
What do you choose? To grow in the relationship, you start asking questions to get knowledge of them. Such as, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What's your bucket list? How about this one? What's your favorite color? Do you know your spouse's favorite color? And don't give the one that they gave you 25 years ago because people change. And, but you become interested in them and because you care or you love, what happens? You start becoming interested and wanting to gain more knowledge of that person. It's called a relationship. And I say to you that the principle of love is becoming committed to growing in knowledge of that person. Everybody say it's a principle. You know, I think if you're, you're, you're interested in things and you, you, you start asking questions. I like to hunt, so I read articles about hunting because I really like that. Uh, you, you, you like sports. You, you end up finding about the conference they're in and the players on the team. And, and then you create this fantasy world called fantasy football, baseball, whatever. Because truth of the matter is you really like it. Fact of the matter is it might be a love. And the old, old timers would say it this way. They say, you not love, you, you not love baseball. You like, you, like, you like baseball. You love Jesus. What the old timers would say. You, you not love hunting. You like hunting. You love Jesus. And, but whatever fact of the matter is, is what we really has given our, given our heart to or our treasure to, that is what we care about. And what you care about, you'll gain knowledge of. You don't believe that? Ask a kid that plays Fortnite. They can tell you the trainers on the YouTube channel to tell them how to get better in that game because they're consumed with it. They know the, are you with me? Because whatever you like or love, become passionate about, you will gain knowledge of. It is a principle. Can I just say this? If you fall in love with Jesus, you will want to be in his word and gain knowledge of him. You can't love God and not spend time in his word. We've got to get back to old-fashioned loving God, making the priority of God in our life more important than any relationship. He's more important than your spouse, more important than your children, more important than your job, more important than your hobby, more important. Love God. If you will fall in love with God, I promise everything in your world will, will prioritize out and you will feel complete instead of incomplete in your relationships. Because God is love. And if I'm going to be committed to God, he's, I cannot just perceive him. He's my doctor. No, he is my father individually. And guess what? I am his bride collaboratively. And I want to police him. Let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in his sight. I don't want to just be a church attendee. I want him to, I want him to know I love him. I'm seeking to please him. I want him to love, amen, my appearance before him. <laughs> Honey, on our wedding day, you know, guys really don't care about uh, what the bridesmaids are wearing. You know, they, they get the first look nowadays at a wedding. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful moment. Still some people hold the tradition that the bride can't be seen by the groom before they come to the door. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, honey, I don't know what I would have thought if when the doors opened, you came down in your pajamas. I probably wasn't saying, there she comes, just walking down the aisle, singing, don't do it. You know, I would have felt probably she didn't care. But because she cared, go all this length, try on 32 tresses, you know, do, do these things and alterations, all that. Why? Because wants to appear to be pleasing. Can I say that when you're in love, you want to be pleasing. You know, Cindy made a great statement one time. She said, she said, what if I asked my husband, Aaron, what is the least I can do and you still stay married to me? I mean, that's pretty insulting. And in, in the church, we ask that same question this way. Is that a heaven or hell issue? It's one of the worst questions you can ever ask. 
Because what you're saying is, what can I least do to please God and still make it? This, this is not about heaven or hell. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ that seeks to please him, not just fire insurance. I mean, he's not our insurance salesman. He's our savior. He, he, that's all right. Go ahead. I mean, respond to the word. That's why we're here. Have you ever heard of submarine Christianity? It's where they surface at Christmas and Easter. (laughs) That's not the will of God either. Paul said it best when he said that I may know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. Sometimes God allows you. He never hurts us. But sometimes God allows us to deal with life. And through that trial, we understand him better. Job said, I'd only heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes have seen thee. And in relationship with God, it doesn't mean it's just going to be a flowery bed of ease. You're not ever going to have to question anything or go through anything. But what he does promise you is that we ought to be promising to him. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you even until the end. That's a covenant because he loves us. My, 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 I feel the Lord in this room right now. We got to start loving him though. This can't be a one-sided relationship. Somewhere we got to turn around and say, all right, God, I'm not ever leaving you either. I'm going to love you. I will be here. I will be faithful. I'll remain. Doesn't matter what happens. I'm staying. I am committed to you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, in, in my, I want us to just love him for a minute. Would you do that all over the building? Lord, I'm, I'm remaining committed. I'm remaining committed to you. God, I'm making a covenant right now. Lord, I will not walk away from you. You are the apple of my eye. You are altogether lovely. You are the fairest of 10,000. You are better than anything and anyone in my world. Oh God, you're the number one to me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, just take a moment. Just take a moment. The Lord is moving among us. Because I love, I commit to grow. I commit to growing. I commit, oh God. There's conviction in this building. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want everyone in the room right now talking to the Lord. Lord, I need you today. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not being in your word. I'm sorry for taking the relationship we had and shoving it aside. Just letting you be the one I go to when I have problems. Oh God, you're more to me than my fixer. You're more to me than just the lifter of my head. God, you are my father. You are the groom that I seek to please as the bride of Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian. Anyone can say, I love you. Anyone can use the words, but true love, biblical love is followed by what? He grew. Would you say, I grow. I choose to grow in my relationship with God. And I feel hesitant to move on. Because we can talk about growth, but until we make a covenant with growing, we're not going to grow. A man told my dad one time, he said, he was a pastor, I can't, I can't imagine this. Uh, I can't imagine that someone would ever say this, but they told my dad, they said, uh, you know, I've read the Bible through. They were a pastor. I read the Bible through before. I don't need to read it again anymore. I don't want him being my pastor. Because if he's not growing, we're not growing. And asked, it might have been the same guy that he asked, well, how's your church doing? Well, it's feeding me. Well, the church isn't about feeding the pastor. At what point do you make your role in, in, at your company, your role in the marriage, the role with your children, your role in any relationship that you're supposed to love, why do you make it about you? Love is never about you. Love is selfless. Go back and watch what I taught last week. Love is about caring. Love is about giving. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. And what our problem is, is we misunderstand love and we make everything about my needs what I want. That's not love. That's just selfish. We join the company. It's all about me. It's all about my position, my raise, my money. And when you enter the company and when we make it all about us, we're going to see everything they're not doing for us. When the principle of Christian people is that whatever your hand finds to do, you do it with all that might. If you sign up for the job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the job is. You agree to it. You do it to the best of your ability. And you grow in that position. One great story about betterment is studying Joseph. Joseph was put in bad situations, but he chose to be at his best in every situation and he grew above everything around him. Quit complaining about where you are and make the best you and make the best of it. That's biblical teaching. Anybody can complain, but it takes a Christian to grow. I remember when Jillian was born and I I stepped into the NIC unit and and, uh, you know, there was a day in medical, in, 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 in medical facilities that when you asked a question, you know, they, they looked at you as if you were dumb. You know what I mean? Do you remember those moments that you would ask something medical and that they look at you? And I, I remember the guy, uh, I need a pair of glasses. Not yours. They, they, let me use his. Not that his are any better, but we'll talk about it later. I remember standing at the foot of the bed and here I am. I, I, I remember being there and the doctors had already met with my mom and let her know going to have surgery. And, and uh, I, I remember seeing the sour look on her face to the window and, and she came back and she said, they said you have to have surgery. What I did know, they said that it's possible he's going to lose his foot and we might have to amputate it while we're in the surgery room. I mean, I'm glad she didn't tell me. There's some knowledge you don't need to tell a kid. <laughs> and uh, I remember when the doctor came in to talk to me about surgery. He came in like this. That's why I still fill my bed, you know. Uh, Aaron, we're, we're gonna do we're gonna do surgery tomorrow, and uh, and I'm thinking, in my mind, you cut me open. So I asked him what I asked him, you know, um, how long is it gonna take? What are you gonna do? Why are you cutting my foot open? And I asked so many questions. Finally, he said to me. He said to me, you ask a lot of questions. Do you want to be a doctor? I said, no, but I just want to know what you're going to do. You're cutting me open. I just want to know what you're doing to me. I mean, he made me feel like I wasn't supposed to ask questions. But because the principle is love and I love me, I need to grow in knowledge of what you're going to do to me. Amen. (laughs) Can I get a witness from somebody in the building? Amen. Love means to grow in knowledge. And it's, it's just what it means. And so I'll never forget asking Jillian's, Jillian's doctor. And Nevaeh, when Jillian was born, she was born two and a half months early. She was, she was just a tiny, tiny baby born premature. And I would go in there. I would stand at rounds every day, gaining knowledge on what was happening to my daughter and where she was in life because love gathers knowledge. Love grows knowledge. And I sat there and I'm so glad the, the, not just Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. Right. You're welcome, Joe, up to grave. Are you Buckeye fans excited about tomorrow? You'll be really excited. We're not fasting tomorrow. We're going to wait till Thursday to start fast. Amen. Cause I job security as a pastor to not call fast tomorrow. Do you remember, honey, when you called the fast and it was, a big, it was the big, big 10 championship? And uh, she said she didn't know on purpose, but y'all sure did make, make fun of WVU all those years. I think it was past punishments what that was. I'm telling you, she didn't do it on purpose. But what I am, what I am saying is that love commits to growing in knowledge. It's just principle. 
And so the question may be, and I was saying about Jillian, I went to, Jill, I went to Jillian's nurse and there was a hundred nurses that, that took care of her over uh, 29 days. But I would ask them, I'd be standing there beside her, beside, they'd come in the room, I'd stand there beside them because she was unable to for a period of time because she was recovering from an infection in her cesarean. And uh, I, I sit beside, and the nurse come in, I say, uh, do you like your job? Oh, yeah, I love my job. Well, you going to further your education? What, what's your plans? And oh, yeah, I want to become the best at what I do. Well, why, why are you a NICU nurse? And I'll never forget the one specifically. She said, I was a NICU baby in this, in this NICU unit. And I visited to see the people that saved me. And I said, I want to commit to doing for others what has been done for me. I thought, I want her to take care of my baby. Yeah. Why? Because she's passionate and she loves her. When you say you love your job, you ought to be the best at it. Right. Hold on, let me clarify. Not the best over everybody in your department, but your best at it. We must stop teaching our children to be the best and start teaching them to be their best. Their best. There's a, there's a big difference from being the best instead of their best. If you teach your children to be the best, you will fuel jealousy and a spirit of competition. And if they are a 40-fold, the Bible says 40, 60, and 100-fold people, talking about fruit and what they can do. If you teach your children to be the best and they're a 40-fold and they're always around 100-fold people, they're going to live in insecurity. I don't have to be the best to be confident. And I don't have to be the best to be my best. Man, I feel like preaching just for a few minutes here. If you take a 60-fold person and you're trying to stretch them to a 100-fold person, when they're a 60-fold person, they're going to live their life incomplete and frustrated. Not everybody can do everything. Where one is weak, the other is strong. That's why God gives you the right spouse because they'll be strong where you're weak and you'll be strong where they're weak. I mean, no, that's relationship. Oh, let's preach a little bit. That's why we need one another. That's why even Jesus chose 12 disciples. People of different personalities and different giftings and different, different flavors. I'm going to tell you because we need each other. The Bible tells us that we know in part knowledge is limited on certain areas. That's why I need somebody in my life that has the other part. I need somebody that can do what I cannot do. Do you believe that? When Paul said, I'm going to be all things to all men, that by all means I might win some, that didn't mean he was going to be everything perfect. What he was saying, he's going to relate with people. That's what he's saying. Quit living under the pressure to become something that God did not call you to become and settle for the plan, the purpose, the destiny that God has for your life. Quit comparing yourself to people. Quit trying to be somebody else. Oh, somebody say Amen. But if you make a choice to become something, then you ought to be the best you can be at that. Go early, leave late. I will say this about a nurse that came and worked on my wife and she had multiple nurses as well. And because I, I'm a little question mark as they labeled when I was six, nurse came in and she came in and she was a little bit flustered, I could tell, but I asked her the same questions I asked every other nurse that's caring for someone I love and, and uh, she's trying to get things together and, and I could, uh, you know, a little different demeanor than the rest of the nurse. I said, hey, uh, uh, do, you like, do you like being a nurse? And she says, to me, it pays the bills. Um, you gonna further your education and what you do? Oh no, I, I can't handle any more score. I don't wanna know anything else about it. She went down this line and she was, you know, come find out she was late to work that day. And everything she was supposed to do as a nurse in that room, she had not done by the time the doctor came in there. And I remember the doctor said, did you get this done? No, I'm sorry. Did you get this done? No, I'm sorry. Did you get this done? No, I'm sorry. When she tried to do an IV on my wife, I felt like she was doing this number. Blood is running out of her arm. There's blood sprayed all over the pillow. If I remember right, I requested that she wasn't allowed to be back in that room. Because love gains knowledge. And love 
is passionate about what they do. Can I tell you today that when you came to the Lord, he did not, I'm going to be redundant here, but he did not just heal you so you could get better. He has healed you because he wants a personal relationship with you. But you've got to get committed because he's done what he's done. Because he's healed me the way he has. I give him my life so I will grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just delivering power. Not just healing power. I will grow. Let's all stand. Come on, would you stand and say, I commit to growing. I commit to growing in the Lord. I'm going to commit to growing. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Would you bring those stack of books for the Denver? Everybody say, I commit to grow. We have in this church, and you know, how many seen the t-shirts say, I love my job? You seen that? Now it's become church culture almost to have t-shirts. Stay up here because uh, you got to help me. Come on. And uh, be seated just a moment. I'm almost finished. We're going to commit to growing here today. I, I want you to be the best. My goal is not for the anchor to be the best church in Zanesville. It's to be the best at what God's called the anchor church to do here. And we believe God's called us to restore people. I'll share in the near future a vision God gave me. Uh, again, I'll share it again. But we want to be our best. Do you know that when a spouse grows in her role or his role, when they study and they become, try to become the best spouse they can become, do you know that the relationship increases? Intimacy increases. It's better. Do you know when a parent parent grows as a parent, the children automatically are going to, the bar is going to be set higher. Man, there's a lot I could talk about right now, but I'm not going to. But because I love God, I'm going to be committed. So I found this book that absolutely, I got a bunch of books I'm going to share here with you today that have changed my life. But there's this book right here that I found that absolutely changed my life. It's called the Bible. We have a bookstore that you can purchase these 25% off this weekend on these. This is called the Bread Bible. It is King James Version, but it's set up day to day so you read the Bible through in a year. If you read that day through, you'll read the Bible through in a year. Come a little closer, will you? Um, there's, there's this one about, this is sort of a self-help and individual effort to be better. Does God want us to be the best? Everybody say my best. You know, I heard someone make the statement, how you plan on changing the world if you can't? Keep your bedroom ordered, in order. Taking care of self. Taking care of yourself. This book, what I thought it was going to say is not what it said, but it was absolutely life-changing called Ordering Your Private World. It's a must-read. Almost every great leader that I've met have, have read that book, Self-Discipline. This is a book on leadership, and I am a leader. I'm your pastor. I lead in other venues as well, in different departments of things, whether even in the city and sometimes in our own organization. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. God's called many of you to be leaders, but how are you going to become a leader that God wants you to be? Because you love people, you choose to grow in leadership so you can lead them to where God wants them to be. Everybody say, I lead. To be a leader, you need to study leadership. John Maxwell wrote this amazing book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. If they've asked you to manage on the job, whether you're a shift manager, whatever it is, if they called you to lead, this is a great book about leadership. Here's one right here, The Centurion Principles. First book that I began to teach to five leaders in this church as the assistant pastor, the first chapter is worth the whole book. Uh, the Centurion Principles by Colonel Jeff O'Leary. He, he talks about... Uh, integrity, being real, being a great individual. But the first chapter is amazing. It's worth, again, the whole book. Leadership. This is called Follow to Lead. Uh, discipleship. So you want to be a soul winner. This is a must read. It talks about um, uh, discipleship and being a disciple maker. Jesus commanded all of us to be disciple makers. You will not go wrong in reading that. I'm going to tell you why I got all these books here in a minute. You're going to hear why. Uh, the Love and respect because I love Cindy. Statement that she said to me many years ago, and she still says it on occasion. She says, Aaron, I love you more today than I did yesterday. Yesterday, And I will love you more tomorrow than I do today. Isn't that sweet? She's awesome. I'm just telling you right now. 
She's committed to what? Growing when she says that. Growing in the relationship. Love is about committing to what? Love is about committing to what? Everybody say grow. So that, that's a book that you can read. Five love languages. How many have enjoyed the five love language series that we've done here? Five love language. How many have not read the five love languages? Raise your hand if you have not read it. It is, listen, when I say this, I, I came across this many years ago. This absolutely changed my life and let me understand who my wife was. And I let her understand who I was. And it was, it, it was so impactful for us, wasn't it, Cindy? It let me understand her love language. I didn't know that. There were, there's a principle that lies in this. And it helped us. And she would agree with me. It helped us understand that our children, children aren't to be loved individually the way we, we expect to be loved. They have their own love language. This is powerful. We have one for um, uh, marriage, one for children, and we have one for teenagers. Also about recovery. How many of you know somebody that, that are struggling with addiction? Why not? Because you love them, gain knowledge about recovery. Don't judge. You know, it used to be people criticize them a lot until it's now in all of our circles. I mean, it's true. Does God love the addict? Does he love addiction? No, but he loves the addict. How are we going to set them free? Knowledge is power. Listen, man, knowledge is power. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith grows as our knowledge of him grows. When we understand what God is doing, faith elevates and supernatural things begin to happen. Listen, that's why marriage can be very supernatural because you grow, you've grown in knowledge of what God has set. And I believe if you start believing in recovery and deliverance for people you love and you start studying that and believing it from a word perspective and people like Cami Tejai that wrote this book, one of our members, guess what? You're gonna start seeing it in your own circle, people being set free from addiction. How many believe that? Let's all stand. Those books are available in our bookstore in the cafe. We are asking you uh, as a resource center, you can purchase those things there. Wherever you're committed, do one book at a time. But wherever you love, wherever you're committed, say, I'm going to be the best at that. I'm going to be the best I can be. If I'm a husband, I'm committed to that. If I'm a father, I need to be committed to that. If I'm a pastor, I need to be committed. If I'm leading, I need to be committed to leading because love gains knowledge. Lift your hands. Let's, let's talk to God for a moment. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me today. Help me to understand people. Because I love people, I want to understand the way they think. Help me understand the saints of God. Lord, the generation that I live in is different from the generation before. I've got to grow in knowledge now. So I can pray differently. Pray in, intentionally, oh God, as a pastor. Help me today, oh Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, we pray. When I was 16 years old, I had to ask myself a question of somebody that's been raised in the church, fourth generation apostolic. I had to ask myself the question, Brother Zion, I had to ask this question. Do I love God? That one question put me on a journey. Because am I doing this because my mom and dad trained me to do this? Or am I doing this because I am in relationship with Him? I wasn't questioning. Listen, I had to find out for myself. You've got to get this for yourself. Don't just trust me. Let God be true and every man a liar. You've got to get in the book and figure it out for yourself. I appreciate you trusting me, but you know why this church has thrived in a pandemic? It has. It's grown and thrived in a pandemic. You know why? Because of your, relate, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't based on a sermon on Sunday. We appreciate that. I'm not telling you to stay home for now. But I'm saying we have grown. Why? Because Jesus isn't just trapped in the, in the 1365 uh, Chamberlain Street address. He's in my house and driving down the road. I'm praising him and he's there with me. I'm walking with God. My role is not to save you. It's to teach you how to be saved. My role is to teach you how to get your hand in the hand of Jesus and walk with him.
How many want to walk with him day after day? Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're going to do an altar call so different, but before we do, I want you to just raise your hands and say, God, individually, I'm going to become my best. My best in the kingdom. I'm going to be the best saint and I'm going to join new life because I haven't done that. I want to know more about my church that I love. I'm committing to attending services. I'm committing to going on dates with my spouse. I'm committing to taking my children on dates. I am committing to spending time with the people I love and being better on my job. I'm committing, but God, there's one relationship that trumps all of these. It's my relationship with you. I'm committing to being faithful. I'm committing to growing in who I am in you. To get closer to you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Everyone seated. Let me give you instruction. We're going to pray and you can be dismissed. I'm asking you on Thursday. We're going to go on a 30-day media fast. 30 days. I, I really contemplated very hard to do 21 days of media. That's no social media. We got to learn to communicate without just social media. You know, our world's consumed by that. It's changing us individually. It's not a good change. Uh, social media is like the tree of the knowledge of, how I many know it's true? Uh, we have to step away from some things to get back to what is priority. So I'm requesting a 30 day media fast starting Thursday. We'll go for 30 days. Why 30 days? Because in the Bible, there were 12 months as now, but there were also 12 tribes. One tribe would take a month and they would serve for that month and prov provide provisions for the kingdom. Our world is in chaos. We need to contribute to prayer and fasting and seeking God. Can you say amen? Everybody say a media fast. That would be no entertainment. That'd be things like, I realize our, our kids are virtual. You don't, don't call me and say, can our kids do school for the next 30 days? Uh, we're talking about entertainment, social media, unnecessary things, pleasures. We're also in that period of time and I will announce three days of fasting food. We're gonna talk about that. I don't have that date yet, but I'll get with you as I feel led of the Lord. But 30 days of shutting the stuff off, getting a book and bettering my life instead of, Candy Crush. Is that the name of it? Instead of Call of Duty, we can get back to a call of God. Instead of TikTok, we can look at the clock. Amen. And get back to the basics. Instead of watching people po post fake videos that really didn't happen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And get back to the reality of who I am in Him. I promise you, in seven days, you already say, my life has changed. Every year of a media fast, people come to me and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's changed our family. Men and women both. I didn't realize how much I picked up my phone. I didn't realize how much time I was wasting. You plateau instead of grow. You'll come out of 30 days better, stronger. Watch this. You're emotionally equipped, emotionally connected instead of numb and empty. Can you say man? I want us to bow our heads. I want us to pray. I want you to seek God and tell the Lord I'm, I'm turning some things off in my life so I can hear your voice again. Go ahead, all over the room. I'm committing to a 30-day fast. Lord, I'm going to fulfill that. My family needs me stronger. My family needs me growing. My spouse, my peer, the church I pastor, the people I lead. I'm going to go to my job better. I'm going to be an atmosphere setter. I'm committing 2021 to be my best. Because I love, I grow. Lord, we love you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's take a moment and pray all over the room. Get all over the room. Let's everybody in the room just seek God for a moment. Let's shut off the world, everything around us, just for a moment before we leave and say, God, I'm committing to personal growth this year. I'm going to be my best. Not will not live in regrets. In Jesus' name.
worship you, I live to worship you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.